Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph will bring a message entitled, Mature and Full Grown. We're in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And now, let's join Pastor Ralph. We're going to be in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're looking at verses 12 and 13. You're going to be familiar with these verses because this is exactly what Carl preached on last week. And uh, it's exactly what we planned. I'm not up here because he didn't do a good job and I'm going to do a better job. In fact, I'm a little nervous about job security after he preaches all the time. But um, we, when, when we set this up and we were planning the next few weeks, I, the, we had actually planned to take three weeks to teach what Carl taught in two. And I would come back to town and teach these verses. And then I begin to, to think, because these verses are crucial. If we don't get what's in these two verses, uh, we really lose out as a church. We will shrivel and die. And if we do get it, then we have every opportunity to be a force in our community and in the world that impacts the community and indeed does what we're describing in the front cover of our bulletin, win the world to Christ. We are in a cosmic conflict. And if you want to understand this a little deeper and understand the power of a praying Christian or the power of somebody who brings their values to work with them. Now, your world isn't as large as this man's world, but there's a book on the shelf back there uh, called God and Ronald Reagan. And you understand, as you read the book, how one man with his conviction of, of Christianity and of Jesus Christ and of the peace that Christ brings lived his adult life in a crusade against the bondage that was called the Soviet Union and won the Cold War without firing a shot. And an incredibly joined together a lifetime Protestant with a Catholic, the Pope, as they begin to see the church surging forward in Eastern Europe and the Pope begin to fan the fire, he and Reagan got together, read the book, it documents it every, every step of it. And Reagan began in the speeches that he was making that he would be invited to address the Soviet Union. He would address the Christians in the Soviet Union and say things like, we're praying for you and we believe that you'll prevail and that freedom will prevail in this country right in front of their nose. I mean, in Moscow University, he made a speech, uh, nationwide television, live. They couldn't stop the man. But when you, when you begin to, to, to understand that every one of us is called to be a minister of Jesus Christ, I used to hear churches that say, every member a missionary. Well, we think a missionary, we always think of a foreign country. I wish I could get you to go to a foreign country on a mission with us. It'll change your life. But every one of us is called to be a minister in the marketplace, in the place that we live. And as much as Ronald Reagan's marketplace might have been the stage of the whole world, your marketplace is a, is a bank someplace, or it's a, it's a classroom someplace, or it's a real estate office, or it's a, a landscaping business, or you're out there swinging hammers with other guys. And, and God is calling us to that. And if we can get that and really understand it and demystify ministry, not make it into something that's holier than I am, and unreachable for me 
and bring it down to where we can live it and, and, and God can do what he wants to do in our life, then we become a, a force for change in our world and we can turn the world. The, the, the world, particularly the United States of America, is up for grabs right now. It's, it's like it's a contest. That's, that it's, it's like a football game. It's a tie going into the last quarter. And as, as we look at this, there's, there's need for us to, to just understand who we are in Christ. And that's what this is all about today is understanding who we are in Christ. And so we set this up a few weeks ago so that Carl would be in a position to actually teach on these scriptures last week because I've been saying the same things over and over about these verses so much that I'm bored hearing myself. And I thought you might be. And I thought we just need to hear it from a fresh voice. And I came home and he kind of uh, stoked my fire. And, and, and so I'm going to go back over part of what he went over last week. Uh, he told you a long litany of stories, and I'm going to do the same. I'm going to preach short and, and tell stories long, because I think the stories have a great deal of value to them. If you remember last week, he read verse 11, which names all of these different leaders in the church, different types or classifications of leadership. And then verse 12, where we're starting, says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, and to build up the church. The responsibility of leaders in a church, in this church, is to equip God's people, which is you, to build up his church, which means to strengthen it, and then to do his work. And I think immediately of sports. If I'm the pastor of the church, I'm a coach. You're the players. I want you to think about, you know, I was having a terrible time uh, about 10 days ago. I, I, I've been for some years now a New York Yankees fan. You know, that playoff series between the Red Sox and the Yankees was a tough one because I also love the Red Sox and, and, and went on to watch that incredible victory and they reversed the curse, you know, since 1918. And, and they said three and a half million people came out in the streets of Boston to, uh, to, to just watch the parade in, in the cold, pouring rain. I, I guarantee you three and a half million people will not gather in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration of the president. Uh, this is the biggest event that happened in America this year. The Red Sox won the World Series. I, I just want you to think, though, what the series would have been like if the Red Sox would have taken their wisest and most baseball-savvy people and put them on the field against the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals. They had a lost in a flash because, because the smartest, most baseball-wise people in the Boston Red Sox organization are a bunch of people about my age. They're coaches. They're the manager. Uh, they know baseball far better than some 22-year-old hot rookie. And if you would have put that bunch of old men on the field against the Cardinals, it would have been a slaughter and Boston would have lost. Now, this is what often happens in the church. We don't get it. We think the pastors are there to do the ministry. And they're not. They're there to equip the people to do the ministry. My friend Melly Sara preached here a few weeks ago, and he just started a new church in Waianae about a year ago, and he stood up on the very first Sunday and, and announced that he was going to be leaving in two and a half years, and this is who's going to be your new pastor. My job is to disciple him to be pastor. By the way, this is not an announcement that I'm leaving. I'm here for the duration. You ain't getting rid of me. Um, but... 
Mel also said this. He, see, he, he painted a picture of all that we can do as a church. And then he made this statement. He said, I'm going to be the laziest pastor in Hawaii. What I'm going to do is equip you to do the work. I'm going to be an equipper. You're going to do the work. I'm going to be a coach. You're going to be the player. Churches that put the pastors on the field and the players in the grandstands watching are churches ultimately that lose. And you can do it in two ways. You can do it in terribly negative ways, and, and we've never had any hint of this in the life of our church. But I, I talk to so many pastors around the world, and, and they struggle with a church council that gets down on the pastor and wants the pastor to do everything. You know, little churches where the pastor's job is to clean the bathroom. And uh, I can remember when I first became a pastor, nobody would volunteer to mow the lawn. And, uh, and I had a, a friend that had told me, don't you dare do the things that aren't your job to do. You just wait and just leave it. And the lawn was growing longer and longer and longer and longer. And, and uh, uh, a friend of mine comes to me out of the blue. I'm getting ready to mow the lawn. And the church got like 35 people in it, right? And I'm getting ready. I'm going to go in and, do, and mow the lawn. And, and I met a guy at a convention. He comes up and he says, you know, our church has been praying for you. I didn't know the church knew we existed. And he pulls out and he gives me a check for $150, which in those days was a lot of money. And then he says, uh, by the way, we're just, we're going to keep an eye on you. And one thing is, we don't want to hear about you out there cutting grass. And it's like, whoa, you know, I was getting ready to do it on Saturday. This is Thursday. But these churches that where the pastor does everything, obviously the church isn't going to grow. But the churches also that will elevate the pastors and a ministry team and make them somehow high and holy and walking in about six inches off the ground and have this great awe for these people as leaders, those churches ultimately, they may grow for a while, but they cave in on themselves. The church that puts the coaches on the field fails. The church that puts the players on the field succeeds. And so God has called us as leaders to equip you in, in terms of ministry. And ministry takes many, many, many different forms. It's, it, it, it takes the form of little kids handing out chocolate on the train in Japan. It takes the form of, of the, the, the children's church workers that are teaching the children how to go out and do ministry in the community. Ministry takes the form of you coming down and helping decorate the Kanye police station. Ministry takes the form of those J groups that are growing on that backboard, little groups of two and three people getting together once a week to, to, to honor the Lord and to pray for each other and to invite others into their midst. Ministry takes the, 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 the role of the people that are standing out there greeting on Sunday mornings. It takes all kinds of roles, and all of us are called to somehow be in ministry. And the job is to build up the church so we're stronger, we're smarter, we know what we're doing, and then to do his work. And, and, and his work is what the Lord reveals to you and, and taps you on the shoulder and says, this is what I want from you. Going on here, it says that we're to do this until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord. That's the goal, that we would become mature and full-grown in the Lord and that we would measure up to the full stature of Christ. Now, when I read this part about um, faith and knowledge, unity in faith and knowledge, I, I get a little confused. I, I read the text carefully, and I wonder, why didn't he say knowledge and faith? Because Paul is a knowledge guy. If you, if you read the, the epistles in the New Testament, you realize he's a philosopher. 
You read through the book of Acts and you see the way he debates with people. He's a, he's a, he's a head trip guy. He, he's a knowledge guy. But he always puts faith in front of knowledge. And I think it's because faith is more important than knowledge. What happens is I gain enough knowledge about the Lord that I start to go, I think I believe this. And what happens? Faith is triggered. Then I begin to grow in my faith. And, and, and faith is really the, 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 this the playing field. This is where everything happens, is my confidence in the Lord begins to grow. And then after that happens, usually is when I need a lot of knowledge. I need to know why this is true, these things that I believe. And, and you know, I used to try to argue people into becoming Christians. And, and I found out I'm a pretty good arguer. I could argue somebody into a hole in the ground and they still wouldn't accept the Lord. It was useless. But you pray for somebody who's sick and they get well. And all of a sudden they go, oh, tell me more. And so that's why I think we need to, to, to kind of lead in prayer as, as, we're, as we're moving forward. I had a really weird thing happen to me in church. And, and this will happen to you if you will cooperate with the Holy Spirit. On a Sunday morning, we did what we've been doing lately, is, is gathering in little circles to pray for each other, a time of ministry. And you know what that really is? We're sneaking up on you. That's, we're trying to get you doing ministry without knowing you're doing the ministry. And so we, we got to praying. And, I, and one day I prayed for somebody who had cracked ribs. And the Lord healed the guy's ribs. And somebody else came back and told me about it. And, and I was a little bit shocked. And the very next week, I ended up sitting next to Carl. And what had happened? You had dislocated your rib. Where? Right here in the sternum. The rib came out of the socket in the sternum. That, that happened to me a long, long time ago. That one hurt worse than wherever I've, I've cracked a bone or tore ligaments on my ankle. Uh, every breath was, a, was miserable. I prayed for him. What happened? Next day he coughed real hard and boom, it popped back in place. So I was at a convention. I was speaking at a convention in San Francisco to about 3,000 people. And I, and I made a joke about that. And I told the story and I said, I'm the rib guy. And uh, there's a guy that, that, that's our, the missions director for our denomination. Uh, has a Harley. He's, you know, it's one of those, what did Tisha use that word she used to describe the people who went to Japan? Uh, that O word? Uh, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you got to have the Harley and pretend you're, you're 22 and you're not. And uh, somebody ran into him on the Harley. His, his boy was on the, on the bike. The boy was uninjured. Mike was really messed up. And the time I'd seen Mike before, uh, he, he was coming to meetings he shouldn't be in. He had his leg in one of these long, uh, it was a splint actually, and, and he, was, he was out of it. He was drugged. And I saw him a month later in San Francisco, and he comes up to me, and he goes, I've, I've got a broken rib, and you said what you did about being the rib guy. Why don't you pray for me? And I'm going, oh. It's like, what do you do? I, yeah. So, but I prayed for him. And you know what? The Lord healed him that day. Now, I didn't know this. I saw him last week, and he told me this. He came up and made a big point of telling me this. Now, I want you to know, here's what I feel when I pray for people and their ribs get well. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. There's no hot hands. There's no lightning bolts. There's no chicken skin. There's no nothing. 
See, faith is, 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 is believing in things that we can't see, but that God has reported to us in the scripture. And it's when we step out and go, I can do nothing here, but God could do something. Let's ask him to do it. And my responsibility ends right there. I'm not called to answer the prayer. I'm not called to be holier than somebody else, so I'm somehow privileged to pray the prayer. I'm just called to pray for people. And when you pray for people, God does stuff. Does that make sense? And if we don't pray for people, God doesn't do the stuff. And, and so ministry uh, is, is basically stepping out in faith and doing the thing that seems like the logical thing to do. It may be that you're, you're, you're seeing the homeless person and you do something in the back of your head says, go give them $5. It may be that the person across the street, their, their spouse runs off with somebody else and, and the Lord tells you, go bake them a cake. I, I know several people who have that cake baking ministry and, and somebody dies or something and they're over there with cake or they're over there with cookies and, it, and just an opportunity for the Lord, Lord's love to come through. But particularly, I think, as people are in need that we pray for them, we see the power of the Lord. It says, as we come to unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son, as we, as we step out in faith, pray for each other, it draws us together in unity. We learn to have unity over knowledge. Uh, every one of us is going to disagree. If I asked you all to define the Trinity, I, I'd come out with about 365 different answers, you know? But there comes to this place of, I, I don't quite agree with everything you believe, but I love you anyway, and I'm going to have unity with you. And we come to a place of being full, mature and full-grown. When I think of a team that's mature and full-grown, I think of a team that puts points on the scoreboard. When I think of a plant that's mature and full-grown, I think of a plant that's bearing seeds that cause it to reproduce itself. When I think of a child that's mature and full-grown, I think of a child that's coming through puberty and has now got the ability to reproduce themselves. And that's when life gets real scary for parents. But the ability to, to, to reproduce equates itself in nature with the ability uh, to be called mature and full-grown. And as we're mature and full-grown, it calls us to measure up to the full stature of Christ. And when you talk about measuring up to the full stature of Christ, I think you could think about being mature and measuring up to Christ would mean I got to go out and win a whole lot of people to the Lord. Well, there are some of us that are evangelists, and that's a natural thing for us to do. And my prayer is that every one of you, before you die or you go to heaven, in whatever way, would lead a couple of people to the Lord in your life. But there's some people that will lead a couple of people to the Lord a month in their life. I don't think seeing reproduction of the things of God and, and being mature means that we always are bringing people to the Lord. I think it means we're always doing what would Jesus do in whatever situation we're in. And so I, I just I just wrote down a list of stories that I want to tell you about. And, and uh, I, I think you need to just hear this. This is just to kind of demystify ministry. There's a lady here named Elsie Fong. Why don't you stand, Elsie? Please. Oh, Hazkashi. Yes, that's Elsie. You can sit. Elsie uh, is the lady you just heard about that made over 700 little silk flowers to give away to people in Japan. And, and she was actually, the way I heard it was, she was kind of complaining. I don't know why the Lord's got me doing all this work. But she went into Japan armed and loaded. She came back on the plane. She still had enough left that she met a young girl and be, gave her a flower. 
on the airplane and befriended her. And the story, as I was told, is this girl is on her way to Hawaii to kind of have a fling with an American, you know, and she hadn't picked one out yet either. And so she's headed for problems. She, you know, I mean, you can endanger your life by doing things like this. And, and Elsie befriended her on the plane and continued the friendship during the girl's vacation and just reached out to her and showed her the love of Christ. To me, that's ministry. Is that cool? And uh, Elsie is about 17 years old. And so uh, <laughs> if she could do it, we could do it. Last week, you heard the story about Shane Agno uh, bringing uh, or sending seven pallets about that tall of candy that the boxes had been broken or somehow damaged. And when we opened the boxes, nothing was damaged inside the boxes. And, and, and now here's a person who is, is working in his company. There's surplus goods. It's going to be thrown away. It's covered by insurance, and he, and he turns around and says, I can do something with it. He brings it to the church, and we start giving it away. We give it to five churches for their Halloween events. Tons of candy went out through our kids just going out to school and just passing it out. We called Windward Community College. They were having a big Halloween event last, week, last weekend, and uh, one of the ladies from the church called them up and said she was from our church, and she wanted to talk about their Halloween event. She said, you could hear it through the phone line. They're going, uh-oh, church lady's going to attack us for doing a Halloween thing. And she calls up and said, we just wondered if you have enough candy to give to children because we would like to donate, and we ended up donating truckloads of candy to those people. Uh, our church in, in, in uh, Kahala, uh, Mana Olana, used to meet in the Pipeline Cafe, has moved there now. Uh, they're in an area that's real heavy with Japanese nationals who are here working. And they went out and they gave away tons of stuff out in the community in a park one day. And they got adults coming to them. And Japan's a materialistic society. You don't get stuff for free. And they got people coming. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And, and they used it as a vehicle to, to, to talk about the grace of Jesus Christ and what God has done and what, he's, and what he's given to us. And so, again, ministry demystified down to just giving something away. Uh, there's a lady on our Friday night service, and I'm, I'm repeating a story that Carl told. I'm repeating a couple of them on purpose. There's a lady named Carol, and she goes to New Hope on Sundays, and she goes to our church on Fridays. And uh, she's been stealing Bibles from our church. Uh, we caught her. Uh, this thing, we give away Bibles to people who are new in the Lord. And every week this lady's taking two or three Bibles from our church. And, and so we're gonna, we put a stop to it. Uh, we're not going to let it happen any longer. And um, Bibles cost two bucks a piece. We're not going to be having anybody stealing Bibles. You agree? So here's, here's, how, we're, here's how we stopped it. We, we've made a rule. And we want you to know the rule. This is the law. That you can have... Three Bibles a week, we'll give them to you. If you need more than that, you go tell a staff member, I'm taking 25 of these things. They will say, yes, that's fine. But they will also go back to the bookstore and say, we need more Bibles. That's why we want the staff member to know about it, so that we can just make sure that we got enough to supply. Don't you think it's a good idea if somebody's out in the community sharing the Lord giving Bibles away? Um, and this lady Carolyn, she's an evangelist. She's led a bunch of people to the Lord. She's bringing them here to church. There's one man that she found living under a bush in the district park right down the hill in the rain. 
And she, she got him in a shelter. She got him medical attention. She brought him to the Lord. She's doing all this kind of stuff. And so ministry, again, demystified. And it's just, it's just something you do. And we want to support it. See, part of equipping is we'll buy the Bibles and give them to you. Part of equipping is uh, we're going to go down and do this stuff. In the, in the, and we, we make the opportunity to do something for our community in the Christmas deal. Uh, here's a, another one. Uh, there's a guy named Gary in our church. Where are you, Gary? Stand up. Former professional football player and very good at it. Now, you know, you kind of look at that waistline and you wonder how did he get that down the field, but... Uh, huh? Anyhow, felt the Lord calling him to get involved in, in Kylo High School, where he lives, and and now he's a head football coach. And he's dad to a whole lot of these kids. And they're seeing the life of Jesus. And in and, and all of the little ways where you're caught in that separation of church and state deal. And you got to play it right. He's playing it right. And, and people are being introduced to the Lord. <laughs> 